Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I want to start, though, first with Albert Pujols making an appearance in St. Louis last night. Now, even though that was not technically or actually his first time back in town playing against his old team, it somehow felt like it, right? Like the Cardinal fans treated him to a 40-second standing ovation prior to his first at bat. Pretty cool stuff. Check this out. And now Pujols. Number 55, first baseman Albert Pujols. You know that whole thing about how uh, the Cardinal fans are the smartest baseball fans ever, or the Cardinal fans are the best baseball fans ever. You know, you've heard that for years and years and years. Got to say, while that's overrated, that was pretty cool. I mean, they were fired up to see him, especially after chanting his name in the first game of the series, but not getting to see him on the field. And it is a well-deserved salute to a guy who won pretty much every single award there is to win and did so as a Cardinal. I mean, that tally includes two World Series titles, three MVPs, two gold gloves, six silver sluggers, two home run titles, a batting title, an RBI title, two Hank Aaron awards, a Roberto Clemente award, and he did go to nine All-Star games. But the crazy thing is, he left nearly a decade ago. His final season as a Cardinal was 2011. And yet he's still playing big league ball a decade later. And they're still celebrating his career there 10 years after the fact. It's pretty wild, right? You know what else is wild? What he did right after that standing ovation. Roll it. And this ball is lifted in the air to left and deep. It is back. It is gone. A home run. Pujols returns to St. Louis and hits a home run and gets the Dodgers on the board. It's one to nothing. And they are cheering him like he's one of their own. That's how you do it. You come back against your old team. You get a standing ovation. You hug it out with the catcher. Then you go yard. Pretty legendary stuff right there. Now, not to get all cheesy on you, but isn't that why you watch sports? To see and feel moments. And that was a moment. Get the ovation. Tip your cap. Murder a baseball. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts had this to say about it. It's one of those things that you hope could happen, but the likelihood is very improbable. Um, getting a standing ovation, then hitting a homer that first hit bad. Storybook. And uh, I'm a big believer that the game honors you. And um, the way Albert's played the game for so long the right way, it's that's the way it was supposed to uh, work out. I see you working, Skip. That makes sense. Pujols, for his part. Played it pretty cool, as you would expect. Oh, it's always pretty special, you know, anytime that you <laughs> come over here in San Luis, you know, with the history that I have playing here and the fans and just really uh, a great moment once again. And to be able to, to deliver like that and uh, first survive was was huge, you know, especially, you know, when we have our bullpen going, we want to make sure we score some wrong early so that way they can have a little cushion going. You know, most guys have a moment like that especially today, in this day and age, and they practically walk around the bases, soak it all in, look at me, maybe walk around the bases, maybe jog backwards, maybe drop a flap down. Not Albert. He's focused on getting runs on the board because it was a bullpen game. Then again, when you've done it 679 times, it's a lot easier not to get caught up in that moment. That's right. 679 home runs. There was a time when a guy got into that territory and every single home run was a national event. Not anymore. I mean, did you even know that guy had 679 home runs? Did you even know last night was his 17th of the season? Or that he's now fifth all time? Or that he's 17 away from Alex Rodriguez, 20 away from 700? Except last night was not just about Pujols going deep. It was about the Dodgers going deep repeatedly. There was Justin Turner in the top of the fifth. A 2-1 delivery. Turner turns on a ball. Down the line. Towards the pole and gone. Solo shot for Justin Turner. And the Dodgers lead. Dude, my dude's still looking lean, isn't he? And Will Smith 
jumping ship in the top of the sixth. High fly ball on a high fastball. Back to left. O'Neal twisting to the wall, and there it goes. Skyscraping home run on a high fastball from Will Smith. Seen plenty of that from him this year. How about JT doing it again in the top of the ninth? Fly ball, deep center. Bader to the track, to the wall. The second home run tonight for Turner. This one to dead center field. And it breaks it open in the ninth inning, 7-2. So a power display from the Dodgers. They hammer the cards 7-2. So LA has now won 6 of 8. 26 of their last 34, which means they are, and wait for it, wait a little longer, a little more. They're a game out of first in the NL West, which to me is mind-blowing. I mean, that's jaw-dropping. They've been playing better than 750 ball down the stretch. And not only do they not have that division in a chokehold, they're not even in first. Because the Giants are still doing the damn thing. Take note, Frisco. I'm talking about you now. Frisco took two out of three from L.A. over the weekend. They then followed that up with 22 runs in their first two games in their series in Colorado. So if you're waiting for them to stumble and fall, if you're banking on them crumbling under the pressure of a pennant race, keep on waiting. Because the dudes in orange and black are loving the pressure, they're thriving under the pressure, and they love the fact that you're sleeping on them. I mean, how good have the Giants been? Check this out from L.A. L.A. pitchers had a 2.25 ERA in August. They have a 2.14 ERA in September, and it's still not enough to take over that division. You put up those numbers, and you're not just expecting to be in first place. You're expecting to have a fat lead and to be running away with it. You're expecting to win that division in a walk and be able to rest guys down the stretch. Not this division and not this year. They're both going to have to battle their asses off in September to make sure they win that division. Because right now, and this is a really scary prospect for the team that does not win that division. As an example, the Dodgers right now, they're in the wild card game. They're on pace to win more than 102 games and still not win the division. They could be sitting on 102 wins and still have to go into a one-game playoff to advance to an actual playoff series, which is crazy, right? I mean, that's insane. It's not a series this year. It's a one-game, single elimination, winner advance, loser goes golfing format. L.A. could have this amazing year and find themselves right in the middle of that. And it wouldn't be because they're not playing well. And it wouldn't be because they struggled or staggered into the playoffs. It would be because the Giants would not die or the Giants would not give in. L.A. has a 14-and-a-half game lead in the wildcard race. And yet at this rate, they still would have to play a game to get into an actual playoff series, which again to me is insane. They could win 102 games or more and have one bad game at the wrong time and it's all a wasted season. Like it's all over. One bad outing from a starter, one nine-inning stretch where their bats go cold or the ball takes a bad hop and they go home. Like they could face the Padres, the Reds, the Phillies, the Cards, maybe even the Mets. Any one of those teams could beat them in a one-game matchup. A couple of those teams are barely over 500, and they could knock out the defending champs if it were to start today. And then if it's the Cardinals, for example, man, they better get going because they've now lost four straight, and they have picked a really bad time to do it. Their fans have to be staggering right now. Like Pujols comes home, homers against them. They're barely alive in the playoff hunt. Bad enough. Things are bad enough to send them looking for drugs in the bathroom like that bizarre combo of fans back in the day. What do you like about it? <laughs> the bathrooms, the food, the view is great. You get the crowd, you know. You put the bathrooms ahead of the food, really? Well, there are drugs in the bathroom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Longtime Cardinal fan, what do you think of this year's version of the Cardinals? 
Classic. <laughs> go to bat. That's what it's all about, right? Classic go to bat. Yeah, or go to the bathroom. Find a toilet seat. Classic. See if somebody left you a rail or two on it. <laughs> wow. Classic. Go to bat. Classic. Classic. I love this place. Classic. The bathroom. The view. The ballpark. Classic. The ballpark food. The beers. The bathroom. The bathroom? Yeah, there's drugs in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one, lady. <laughs> anyway, the Dodgers better keep going to bat. Same with the cards. L.A. needs to go to bat to avoid the wild card. St. Louis needs to go to bat to get into it. If the cards manage to pull that off, their fans will be laughing really hard. (laughs) 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 Cocaine. Wow. Best fans ever. Smartest fans ever. Not that one. Back to you, Frisco. Stop crying about not getting the respect you deserve because you are. At least you are here, just like you always do. I can't control what anybody else says or writes or does or doesn't say or doesn't write or doesn't do. Just stop wasting my time by telling me that you're not getting your respect because you are. You are here. You want to bet on the Giants game, Dodgers? No. So if you have ever been behind the wheel of a high-performance sports car, and you realize then how much better a car can be, you never want to settle for a regular car ever again. Am I right? Yeah, well, I feel the exact same way about my X chair. From the moment I first sat down in it, I understood why many consider X chair to be the finest office chair in the world. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's all in the L Max massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel that customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair ever again. Take my advice. Try X chair for yourself, risk free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never ever go back. I promise. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X chair r-o-m-e.com for 100 bucks off your order x chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort that's xchairrome.com keaton slovis is my guest keaton good to have you back how are you good thanks for having me good to have you all right so you and i spoke last fall before the start of the season that had been canceled and then restarted so let me ask you this how good did it feel to get out on the field on saturday and play in front of tens of thousands of fans at the coliseum once again it was a great feeling you know super excited to kind of just have that energy back in the stands it didn't all come from us we had a great turnout from our students a pretty good turnout from our fans and Really looking forward to being able to play in front of them for the rest of the season. I think that's key what you just said, that the energy did not have to come from us because last year, of course, you had to create your own energy. Drake London had a huge game, Keaton. 12 receptions, 137 yards in that win. Let me ask you this. How would you describe the chemistry that the two of you have and what is it about him that makes him so unique? Um, I think the biggest thing is he's just been here for such a long time. and He's such a great kid and a great competitor. So really we've had three years to kind of develop that relationship and that chemistry, um, especially on a team that has a lot of young receivers. And, you know, in terms of the skill set, you know, he got, he's got he's this whole package, in my opinion. Um, and he makes it really easy to kind of throw it to. He's a big body, big thing, super athletic, and a great route runner. So um, I think you saw at the end, you know, I can kind of just give him a jump ball and he'll go and win. USC quarterback Keaton Slow is my guest. So you jumped out to that early lead, and then when San Jose made it close, you pulled away with 17 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. I know you'll probably tell me it was not a perfect performance, but how much pride is there in the whole team finishing off an opponent and putting that game away when it mattered? Yeah, again, there's always new stuff to clean up, and uh, you know we can look back and point out a few plays that we hope we execute better, but. Uh, that's a good team. I think uh, a lot of people kind of look at San Jose State, and since they're not in the Pac-12, they don't think they're very good. But, uh, you know, I thought they're a pretty talented team, and they could compete in our conference if they were. Um, and, you know, I think for us to kind of finish the way we did and our defense play the way it did, uh, you know, that was a really good one for us. 
you know, I'm kind of curious about your relationship with your offense coordinator, Graham Harrell. What have you learned from him in your time together? And then how would you characterize that relationship? Um, we're pretty close. Um, you know, I'd almost, Graham's almost like a big brother to me. And uh, we have a lot of fun in the quarterback room. And uh, but again, he's really hard on me too, which, you know, my dad was a coach my whole life. So he always coached me hard. So for him to coach me hard is just pretty uh, natural. And, you know, things I learned from him, I think just his whole philosophy um, in terms of, you know, how to be a quarterback and how to lead and how to, you know, his offensive philosophy of really firstly being selfless stuff and discipline, but also being, you know, the most excited team to play and execute on a daily basis. His whole thing is not always about the scheme. We're not going to try to, you know, trick him up and run all these tricks. execute our offense and we're going to run it well because we run it well. We're not going to let the defense dictate what we do. USC quarterback Keaton Slovis is my guest. You know, when you answer a question like that, the way you just did, it kind of reminds me of your mindset and your approach. And that's one of the things that kind of got my attention. When you led the conference in passing yardage and TDs and you were first-team all-conference last year, I think a lot of guys might be kind of fired up about a season like that, but you didn't seem to be. Maybe this is part of being a coach's son, but in terms of mindset and approach and this pursuit of greatness and consistency, where does that come from? Um, I think it's just my my own desire to, to be better. And, um, you know, I think we can kind of look at it and you can say all these accolades, but at the end of the day, I know deep down I could have played better at times. So, you know, for me, I know there's more left out there. And even same with last week, you know, we had a good win, but I think our whole offense knows there's more points on the so – that's my mindset. That's my team's mindset. I think a lot of guys out here um, who are playing have the same mindset. And obviously it comes from our, a lot of our coaching staff as well. You know, you got hurt in the Pac-12 title game last year, and as a result, your season ended on a pretty rough note. Earlier this year, I thought you said something really interesting to The Athletic. Quote, I think when you're in the position I am, there's not a whole lot of people you can really talk to who truly understand the spot you're in. So I think that was the toughest thing about it. End of quote. I mean, to me, there's a lot of truth to that. There's not many guys that play quarterback at a really high level at a big-time program, much less USC. So if you're that guy, how did you go about processing all of that, and who can you talk to about things like that? Um, it was tough, you know. The thing is, um, you know, knowing what to talk about or what I was, uh, you know, wanting to get off my mind, and I think I spent a lot of off-season working on things on myself, and um, trying to be selfish at times, trying to get things right. A lot of that, you know, a lot of that was leaning on my dad. But like I said in that interview, you know, my dad's never played D1 quarterback or football at all. So a lot of that was on my dad. A lot of that was on my coaches. Uh, Coach Daigie and Coach Harold did a lot of that. And, uh, you know, they're both D1 quarterbacks at Texas Tech. So I think, you know, a combination of a lot of different people, but mostly the people who are close to me, like my coaches and my father. You know, when you said, like, I did a lot of work on myself, were you talking about, like, work on your mindset, work on your head, work on your mechanics? What kind of work on yourself? Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just doing all those things to kind of make yourself feel confident. You know, it's all about how you prepare. Obviously, you know, you hope you, you go and have a great game, but it's all about preparation. And um, really that starts in the offseason when you, you know, really set yourself to have that – possibility to, to win and, and have all those you know great things you talked about it starts with your preparation so I think that kind of leads to you having confidence and uh, having a good mindset I think so man preparation breeds confidence right is that not the first thing you, you're taught preparation breeds confidence you know one of the big changes for college sports in general is the change surrounding name image and likeness of course as the quarterback at USC you're in a really high profile position so people and companies are going to seek you out with offers I'm curious what has that process been like and how have you gone about dealing with it it's been pretty exciting obviously like you said at USC you know you have a lot of great opportunities but again I've been trying to kind of focus on football we've done a few great uh you know pretty good deals I think with you know United Airlines and uh American Eagle, and so I think those are some great things I'm excited about. Got some other stuff in the works, but again, I'm I'm focused on playing football. I kind of let my agency handle all that, and they're really good at, you know, focusing on what's best for me at the time and not letting it become a distraction. I get that. So, what about that? What about working with Clutch Sports? What has that process been like? Yeah, it's been it's it's been pretty easy to be honest, because because I think they, you know, the first thing they kind of said to me was we didn't want it to ever become a distraction. So I think the the biggest you know, kind of differential there that I could become an issue is that, you know, you let it kind of burn you out. But I think we've done a great job of not letting that happen thus far. 
He's quarterback for USC coming off that big game over San Jose State. As I mentioned, a Johnny Unitas Golden Arm watchlister. And USC back in action Saturday at, get, or I should say at home, hosting Stanford. Keaton Slovis, my guest. Keaton, great to have you back, man. Thanks so much. Good luck. Yeah, thank you for having me. Keaton Slovis joining us. Stanford at USC is effectively what I was trying to say. So let's take a moment to talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines, totals, props, futures, boosted parlays, or even live betting, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, MMA, boxing, tennis, golf, and more? It's all right there in your WinBet app. Listing in Michigan or New Jersey, try your hand inside WinBet's digital casino. All your favorite games from the casino floor are now in the palm of your hand. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in-app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority and entertainment, free merch. It really is the finest loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for the WinBet app. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You've got to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So I mentioned that our guy Chris Mannix did a profile piece on Paul Pierce. And it comes at a pretty good time, right? Because the truth is entering the hall in Springfield, Mass. on Saturday. But his legendary playing career is not really what anybody was talking about after that piece dropped. In fact, generally, when you think about that guy, that's not what people are talking about. They're more interested in his legendary posting career as in that Instagram Live that cost him his analyst gig at ESPN back in April. Turkeys. We've been to turkeys before. You remember that one. The one with the, I don't know, what do you say we call them? Dancers. And we'll just say the substances. And the poker game. And the not exactly sober Paul Pierce. Say hi, accent. And an L.A. house party. With no masks in sight. I would play a chunk to jog your memory, but pretty much none of it is airable on either radio or TV. But you don't really need your memories jogged, do you? Pretty much everybody remembers this Instagram Live. Pretty much everybody wonders how and why it even happened in the first place. Well, that part of the mystery is now over. We have our explanation. According to this piece... Pierce was playing poker at a friend's place, got a little loose, and decided to go live. After about 15 minutes, he deleted it, went home, and thought, quote, nobody had noticed. Which is kind of iffy, right? Because there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of comments coming through during that broadcast. Comments that he was responding to in real time. But hey. You know, dude was probably inebriated. And in that state, what he supposedly did not realize or understand, the big missing piece of this party posting puzzle was that IG lives can be recorded and they can be reposted. So even if somebody didn't have the wherewithal to say, hey, yo, 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 you know you're live. You know you don't want to do that because he probably would have said, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. What's the big deal, man? We'll be live for a few minutes, and then we'll be done, and then nobody will care. And probably nobody will remember. Ah, Wrong answer. You can record it, and repost it, and repopulate it. So, of course, it wound up recorded, and reposted, and gigantic viral news by the time he rolled out the next morning. Now that the dust has settled, and he's moved on from that incident, he's taking this moment Just before his Hall of Fame enshrinement, he's thought about it, he's lived with it, he's sat with it, he's internalized it, and he's going to take that moment and apologize 
for it to absolutely nobody. To absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. Quote, come on. I didn't do anything illegal. These mother bleepers in the Hall of Fame, some did coke, bleeping battery. What the bleep did I do? I was just having a good time. All the people coming after me, half you mother bleepers do the same bleep. You're just hiding it, and you're all married while you're doing it. I'm divorced. I'm retired. I'm having fun. End quote. Not only is the truth out here apologizing to no one, he's putting everybody else on blast while he's at it. Now, the guy does have a point. We didn't exactly see anything specifically illegal on camera during that IG Live. I think there are some assumptions that might be made, but no actual criminal activity committed on camera, which is probably why, according to the Mannix piece, ESPN never asked for an apology. It was more like they were already looking for a way out, and he gave them one, except for one thing. Pierce says, oh, no, oh, no. They weren't looking for a way out. I was looking for the way out. Quote, I was done with them anyway. It wasn't a great fit. There's a lot of stuff over there that you can't say. And you have to talk about LeBron all the time. End quote. Yeah, Paul, that'll happen. That'll happen when one of the two or three best players in NBA history makes eight straight finals trips in the middle of his prime, wins a championship for the city of Cleveland, and then leaves for the highest profile and most celebrated franchise in the league and wins a championship there too. Kind of hard to find a way around discussing that. Kind of hard to ignore all that. Except the truth also once claimed on the four-letter network that LeBron was not a top-five player of all time, which clearly is exactly the kind of analysis that got him on the outs with the suits back in Bristol in the first place. That and that whole Paul Pierce curse thing. That rep that he worked really hard to earn during the 19 playoffs and never did shake. I know most of you remember how he declared the celtics Bucks series, quote, over after Boston won game one and then lost the next four in a row. Not really good for dude's cred. Only for him to chase that by declaring the following Bucks raptors series, quote, over after Milwaukee went up 2-0, only to lose the next four in a row. Also not good for his cred as an analyst. That's not easy to do now. That's how people get to calling you a curse. That's how you get fans on social media begging you to pick against their team on national TV. And that's probably how you wind up and ending up losing your job as an NBA analyst, even after having a Hall of Fame playing career. Now, for the record, ESPN says that they or reportedly felt like he was not working hard enough at the gig either. Well, yeah, I mean, look at those picks. <laughs> that, that seemed pretty obvious. So it makes sense now. And thank you, Paul Pierce, for coming out and saying the record straight, too. The truth, truth is that he was not really fired from ESPN for his IG Live, at least not just the IG Live, but for being a pretty terrible basketball analyst as well. In fact, that probably is the real reason. But it's all good. He seems happier now. At least now... He has the Hall of Fame. So enjoy the induction festivities this weekend. Live it up. Get wild. Blow it out. Best part? You can live stream as much as you want. Worry-free. Regardless of all of this, I choose to remember Pierce for being a baller, a leader on the court, a champion, and not a guy chasing a farewell tour like Draymond told him during a game. They have lost nine straight. Chasing that farewell tour. They don't love you like that. By 17. By 46. Is that 144.98? Victory here in in Oakland and by 13 earlier. You hear Draymond? You chasing a a farewell tour like that. They don't love you like that. Thought you were Kobe. Incredible. 
Also, let's not forget him as the, quote, horny, divorced, rich guy either. Where you stay at? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, in, like what city? Oh, okay. That's expensive, you know? You got high rent. It's a high rent district, baby. You know what I'm saying? You need some support. <laughs> what? Baby, you need some support. You know what I'm saying? You need somebody to take some pressure off of you, baby. Baby, I'm saying you need some support, some moral, some moral or oral support. Which one? Wow. Dude, just spitting game. I can't control my horny level. Whoa, baby, you need some support. Moral or oral support? Moral Come on. Or oral Truth. support. What? Wow. <laughs> hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Mike New is my guest. Mike, it's good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks so much for doing it, Mike. Appreciate it. So before I talk to you about Penn State, let me ask you about the win over Western Illinois in the season opener. What did you make of how your team showed up in that game? You know, it was great to start the season with a win. Certainly, uh, we got some things after you reflect back on the game that we definitely need to clean up to play our best uh, version of football. But uh, certainly glad that game number one is in the books and you know, I had a chance to watch the tape with the guys. But a lot of things, though, that we need to clean up uh, before we get to Penn State and, and face a tough challenge here this coming Saturday. So I figured you might say that, that there might be some things to clean up because there always are. But how significant was it that you had several players record first, like a first career sack, a first TD, a first INT, and more? That's that's the part that's awesome because some of our young players, you know, we, we had a significant number of returning starters, a lot of guys that had playing experience, but to see some of the guys uh, that recorded uh, some first, as you mentioned, it was exciting to see that because uh, your young players, you know, they work hard to develop, they work hard in spring practice, they work hard in the summer workout program uh, to, so, to see those guys take advantage of their opportunities when they get them. Uh, that's what you like to see on uh, an opening game like that, and uh, certainly something for us that we can build on. Ball State head football coach Mike New joining us. Mike, I know you're focused on Penn State, and you know I'll get there in a minute, but if we could go back for a moment, you're coming off a season where the program won its first conference championship since 1996. When you look back on last season, what kind of memories do immediately come to mind? Yeah, I think about all the hard work that went into it, Jim. You know, a lot of the guys that were here on that football team last year and then took advantage of the additional year granted by the NCAA, a lot of these young men were here in 2017. Now, that was my second season here at Ball State, but we were getting beat pretty handsomely by 40 points a game. And, you know, to to these young men's credit, they stayed here. They didn't put their name in the transfer portal they stuck by each other's side. They just kept working. Uh, and just to think about all the hard work that went into trying, you know, to having a moment like that last year when we held up that championship trophy in Detroit. Uh, and then we went to the bowl game there in Arizona to have our first bowl win in school history. It really, the credit goes to those young men for just staying here. And such a great lesson for down the road in life when you do face some adversity, man. Uh, you got to attack it head on. And uh, I'm proud of them for that. And I'm proud of uh, just the standards that we've established as a program, because certainly uh, we went through a lot of growing pains, but uh, it made all those growing pains worth it. All right, so Mike, in a way, you kind of answered what I was going to ask you about next, but in terms of 2017, as you point out, there were some really tough times and trying times, some tough losses. I'm curious, how exactly did you go about processing those losses, and how were you able to go about digging out? Yeah, a lot of tough post-game locker room speeches, because there wasn't a lot of positive things uh, to discuss in the locker room following those losses, but just kept emphasizing to stay positive and just keep working hard. And one day, uh, all those tough times uh, that we were encountering at that time, they would all pay off. And I just kept believing that. And I just kept coming in every single morning with a smile on my face. You know, one of the things I do every morning is greet every player when they come in the morning at 6 
every, every morning at 6.30 to arrive at the facility, and I greet them with a fist bump, and I just look them in their eye, and I want to make sure they're in a good head space and, you know, have a good look on their face and, and uh, just tried to, you know, a lot of tender love and care every single day. And they knew I cared about them. They knew I had their back, and, you know, we had to do it together and really just focused on those little things that you know you can control and practice every day. You know, it starts with accountability. Make sure every guy's there on time, where, he, where he's supposed to be. Make sure we make that practice count. Be the best version of ourselves, and then just keep stacking days. And that's really how we got out of it. You know, we just we talked about getting out of the mud at one point in time around here. And if you can imagine being sunk in, in wet mud, it's hard to get out of that. But you really have to focus to get your foot out of that. You got to dig out of that in order to make it happen. And I'm just just proud of that because it uh, there was no magic recipe other than just rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. Mike New joining us. I love that. I like that part especially, Mike. I mean, you're the guy. You're the leader. You're going to be the guy that they take their lead from. So if you're the one who's going to meet these guys or greet these guys every single morning with a smile on your face and a fist bump to make sure they're in the right headspace, what do you do on that rare day when you're not in the right headspace? Who greets you with that smile and that fist bump? I got to get it. I got to make sure that I don't show up that way every day, but I have such a great staff here and my chief of staff here, Byron Ellis, we've been together for a long time. I coached arena football back in the day in new Orleans, uh, but we were together. He's given me many pep talks, uh, with, you know, behind closed doors, whether it be my office or his office, but he's given me some pep talks talks because he can he, he can recognize when maybe i'm coming from the car he, he can he can see uh you know with his own eyes just like i greet people with a fist bump he can see when i might be down a little bit and and so he uh he helps get me out of that funk pretty quickly ball state head coach mike new joining us i was going to ask you about your time in the arena league so take me back to that your first job or when you first took this job you were a head coach in the arena league and at the time ball state reached out you were the quarterbacks coach with the saints and you worked with drew Brees and sean payton it would seem like that was a pretty good gig right so what was it like when your alma mater did reach out yeah, you know, Jim, that was certainly tough. I definitely wasn't looking to leave New Orleans. I absolutely loved it there. I was there for 13 years. I was there for Hurricane Katrina. I was there when, the, you know, the city kind of came back to life, if you will, and to be part of the Saints organization to win that Super Bowl and see what it did for the Gulf South was awesome. Uh, I wasn't looking to leave. That was a dream job to be the quarterback coach uh, with the Saints, working under Sean Payton, working with a guy like Drew Brees every day. But just like I tell the, the student athletes that we recruit on a yearly basis, I just couldn't ignore that feeling in my gut. Uh, my alma mater was down a little bit at that time, and I wanted to, to do my part to see if I could come back to, to a place that was special to me and maybe try to help rebuild it. Maybe, uh, you know, so that was such a, a challenge that, you know, I, I just couldn't ignore that feeling in my gut when they presented me with the opportunity to come back. Uh, and I wanted to come make a difference. And part of my roots in the Arena League and trying to help build players back up after they'd been cut in the NFL and they thought, you know, there was they were down and out and they were kind of down in the dumps. So I loved the challenge, that, you know, to come back to Ball State and, and then try to build something special. And uh, I loved having an opportunity to, to try to impact, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old young men to, to be difference makers in our world. And I want to help them all chase their dream, but I also want to help them be a difference maker in the world. And uh, that's the part I love about college football. It's certainly working. Mike New is the head coach of Ball State. You know, Mike, to your point, you had an amazing situation with the Saints. And again, you played quarterback in college and were very successful. And you've worked with some really good quarterbacks along the way, including Drew Brees. In fact, what was your biggest takeaway from your time with him? You know, the best part about Drew Brees, I think his career and what he does on the field when everybody has a chance to watch him on TV, that speaks for itself. But he's such a phenomenal human being. Uh, and to watch, you know, it made such a lasting impact with me. We would play a game in the Superdome. It might have been over at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. And by the time, you know, all the post-game uh press conference was over, family time where he had a chance to get something to eat. He would take all the little kids, whether it was his own kids, uh, kids of staff members, uh, my son. He'd go back down to the game field, and he would throw the ball uh, on that field with those little kids for however long it took, an hour, two hours. And that left, left such a lasting impression on my son. And to see him uh, knowing that he just got done playing a game and I know he's tired and I know he's probably ready to go home and decompress and, you know, unwind a little bit. He's down there with the kids and that just, 
he's such a remarkable human being, and uh, I'm just—he really is a better uh, person than he is player, and I know that's hard to believe because his career was so special. Mm. We're talking Ball State football for a few more moments, Mike. I've got to ask you about your quarterback, Drew Plitt. He's been putting up numbers for years. What is it about him and his game that makes him special? Yeah, I love the swagger that he plays the game with. You know, when you play quarterback, certainly you got to be a confident. Uh, and your abilities, and you got to believe in yourself. But he has a great swagger about himself that's still humble. Uh, and, and you know, when he when he's out there, man, he is an ultimate competitor. Uh, he works extremely hard in the film room when the lights are off and nobody's watching because he knows that part of the preparation is going to make the difference for him on game day. And uh, I'm just proud of him because you know he did something that's never been done here at Ball State, helping lead. Uh, his football team last year and our program to the first bowl win in school history. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to work with a guy like that every day. He's still hungry, though, and, you know, nobody in our program is fat and happy after, you know, accomplishing, uh, you know, a special year last year. And so it's great to be around a group of humble guys that are just ready to go back to work. And certainly, um, you know, Drew is one of those guys that is at the top of that list. So finally, you've got a great challenge, but a great opportunity Saturday. You've got Penn State in their place. What is your message to your team going into that game, and what is the key? Yeah, you know, Penn State, uh, Coach Franklin's done a great job. That roster is loaded from top to bottom, extremely talented, very impressive uh, opening game win at Wisconsin on the road, really a Big Ten slugfest type of game. But this will be the first time since 2019 that there will be 106,000 strong in Beaver Stadium. And so we got to handle the noise. Um, which we've practiced our tail off all week long on making it as loud and obnoxious as we possibly can uh, in our stadium with, with music, with crowd noise, everything we could possibly get our hands on. Uh, but they put their uniform on the same way that we do, and yes, they're talented, but it's about us making sure that we clean up our mistakes from game number one and we put our best uh, brand of Ball State football out there on the field. And, and uh, we got to build the confidence. If we, if we feel confident in our game plan and we've studied it, uh, we just got to go out, man, and cut it loose, and we can compete with anybody. And I know our guys believe that, and uh, we're going to respect them because a uh, great program with a lot of great talent, and, and uh, James Franklin's been a winner everywhere he's been. And so uh, it's a great challenge. This is why you play the game, though, and this is a great opportunity for us as a program. Great opportunity. Great challenge, but a great opportunity. I like it. I like it a lot. You've got Ball State at number 11, Penn State. He is the head football coach at Ball State in his sixth season with the Cardinals, and they're coming off a huge year with a big opportunity this week. Weekend, Mike New, my guest. Mike, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for that. Good luck this weekend, and really good to have you on the show. Well, Jim, thank you so much for having uh, you know a head football coach from Ball State on your show, and uh, certainly a big fan of yours. And, and thank you again just for the opportunity. Hey, let me ask you something. Does this sound like you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. What that means is no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. It's brilliant. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Is this the beef jerky? Segment? Yes, it is for the first time in a long time. Now, I know you've got a little bit of rust that you have to knock off, so I will allow it, but here it is. The beef segment. It's back once a week, Wednesdays. Hi, Jim. I hate when I pay 300 bucks to go to a concert and the morons in the audience sing over the band. What a bunch of losers. Shut the hell up. Salty Sarity. It's good beef. Blake in Denver. My beef is with Back to the Future 2. The sports almanac looks like it's like 60 pages. There's no way it could hold scores from every single game over 50 years. Also, no sports book would allow Biff to keep on placing bets after winning 100% of the time. I think both those things are true. You're right, Blake. 
Jim, my beef is with airplane guy. You know, the guy that sits in the back of the plane, but as soon as the bird lands, unbuckles his seatbelt and proceeds to move down the aisle to get out of the airplane. Dude, we all have other flights to catch, and you standing in the aisle with your oversized carry-on and your oversized personal item is not helping the process. Either pony up the money to sit closer to the front or wait your turn like everybody else. Jesse and Lincoln. Hate that guy. That's true, too. Takes a certain kind of D-bag to go running up the aisle like that, doesn't it? Brad in Ann Arbor, Rome. I'm a high school football ref. My beef is with idiotic parents who complain nonstop. Number one, your kid is not good at football. Number two, if he was good, no one could stop him with a hold or a pass interference. Number three, relax. It's high school football. Hashtag what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with dinosaurs that take forever to pick something from the grocery store shelf. Hey, Grandma, you're not buying a new giant Chrysler sedan. Grab your chocolate syrup and get the hell out of my way. Casey in New Hampshire. Casey, it's going to be you one day, dude. You're going to be Grandpa reaching out for the chocolate syrup one day, bro. Romy, my beef is with TV networks who think that it's a good idea to zoom in full screen on athletes' faces. Stop it. It's awkward and uncomfortable. Waist up or full body shots only. Brandon, Orange, California. Rome, my beef is with Bengals fan and their who they chant that they stole from the Saints. Harry O and SF. Patrick, quote, Yimmy. Yimmy, my beef is with people wishing one-year-olds a happy birthday on social media. Hey, dummy, the kid can't read yet. Joe in the LBC. Good morning, Jim. My beef is with these fools who have to utilize a special license plate frame to explain what their cool, personalized plate failed to spell. Okay, so you're USC alumni, but TRGNZ, TRGNZ does not spell Trojans, you loser. All right, so there's your leader in the clubhouse. That's my favorite one so far. Not because it's crack back on Trojan fan, although that's part of it. I got nothing against Trojan program. Trojan fan is pretty annoying. And I know because I live right in the middle of Trojan fan. The city of Trojan fan. I live in Orange County, so I see a lot of this. But the guy's got a really good point. How good can your vanity plate really be if you have to buy a license plate frame to explain what it is? He's right. Hey, Rome, my beef is with those who participated in the smack-off. Since it ended, we heard once from Silk Bra, twice from Paul's dog. Where's Jeff and Southfield or Rick and Buffalo or any of them? Jeremiah and Greenville. It's fair. You know how that goes. Some will come in, some don't. That's fair. Rome, I have beef with Wisconsin's weather. It can't just rain or just be sunny. It has to flood everything when it rains and fry everything when the sun does shine. Don't even get me started on snow. Then when you think it can't get any worse, the mosquitoes come out after the flooding and make it more miserable than working with RIT. Johnny in Green Bay. You know what? We had a uh, pretty good summer in northern Wisconsin. Bug factor was pretty low. There were some pretty serious storms, but overall not bad. Hey, Jim, my beef is with all the idiots in the South who think that it snows year-round in Buffalo. We have summer too, you morons, and the temperatures get up to the mid-90s. That's like us thinking that you get your asses pounded by hurricanes year-round. Jim in Buffalo. Our tour stop was, when was it? Was that in the spring or in the summer? It's beautiful, man. It was beautiful in Buffalo. Michael Wilcox is in. 
I have a beef with Las Vegas escalators. All that money and you can't fix that crap? It's a bad look. Hey, Mike, maybe you need the exercise, dude. Just walk up the steps. Ad Lefty and KC tweets, My biggest beef in life is drivers who are too slow on the on-ramp of the freeway. How do you merge into 70-mile-per-hour traffic at 40 miles per hour? Answer, you don't. Hashtag idiot drivers. It's dangerous too, man. T.S. Mack. Dear Rome, my beef is with people who buy $500,000 houses and then let their yards go to hell. Tom and Lincoln. I like that. That's good, too. Is that you, Rit? Is that what you do? Is that what you get your hand up? Oh, you were telling me to take a phone call. He's right, man. There is a certain inherent responsibility in being part of the neighborhood. Man, maintain your yard. Bring your trash cans in. All right, let's go to the phones. Actually, there was a pretty good little rally there on the beef part socially. Let's go to the ATL. Jason in Atlanta. Jason, what's your beef? Jimmy, my beef is with people who have kindly made the decision to hold the door open for me, whether it's an office, restaurant, uh, store, and I'm still 25, 30 yards away. And how quickly that kind gesture becomes irritation and impatience. You know, I'm, I'm already walking. I didn't ask you to hold the door for me. I'll get there when I get there. My man, Jason in the ATL. All right, so he, he's kind of got a point. Like, it is the nice thing to do, the courteous thing to do. But if you're like a half a mile out, it just gets awkward. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to New Mexico, Jared. Jared, good to have you. What's your beef? Yo, my beef is with the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America. Every time I go shopping, uh, they got them begging me for money for their cookies or their popcorn. Camp, a campground, it's like $3 a night to go camping. Those those kids should be camping, not not learning how to beg for a dollar. <laughs> sucky parents, sucky groups. Come on, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, get out there and camp. What the hell? Jared. <laughs> Jared's complaining about boy and Girl Scout panhandlers. Dude, they're just trying to raise money for the organization. They're not begging they're selling, they're working, they're hustling. They're trying to raise money for the outfits. <laughs> this is good, man. It's too bad this is coming to an end. Let's get another one in here quickly. Let's go to Utah. Fred in Utah. Fred, what is your beef? What's up, Jim? What's up, hey, dude? My beef is with kids that come home from school or whether they hit hard times and have to come home to your house. If you grew up in that home, it's one thing. But when I upgrade and you come home, you're a visitor. You should act like a visitor. Don't load my laundry machine with six loads of laundry like you're still trying to save money so you can go out drinking with your buddies. My man, it's interesting. We, So I've got a son who's in college. So we have lots of friends who have kids in college. And all of the parents I know feel guilty in thinking it, much less saying it. But they're like, damn, we can't wait for those kids to go back to school. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors, old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Antoine Bethea is my guest. Antoine, good to have you back. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. All right, so the NFL season starts tomorrow with Dallas at Tampa Bay. Why don't we start right there? When you look at Dak and the rest of the Cowboys, what kind of thoughts do you have? Like, how good a Cowboys team is this version in your mind? Man, if um, I think it's, a lot depends on, you know, how healthy Dak is. You know, um, watching you know, hard knocks, you can tell, you know, um, 
starting off in the pitch count, but now they say he's full go. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, Zach Martin being out, you know, the offensive line getting back together. You know, you know Dak has a lot of weapons um, outside, CeeDee Lamb. Um, you know, Zeke, Zeke looks good. Um, Amari Cooper. So that offense can really get back to um, – what they were in the past. And I think the big question mark is just how that defense is going to come out after um, a tough season last year. All right, so I'm going to ask you about that defense in a minute. You mentioned Zach Martin. If he can't go, how big of a loss is that for Dallas? And in particular, how big of a loss is that for Ezekiel Elliott? Um, I think it's a, it's a loss. You know, um, I think along that line, though, you have a lot of pro bowlers, a lot of guys with a lot of experience. So, um, obviously, you know, filling in the shoes for Zach Martin's going to be some big shoes to fill. But whoever it is, I think the guys um, that's playing alongside him can 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 hopefully um, help him out. And with Zeke, man, I think he's going to think he has some, some things to prove. Um, you know, obviously last year not really um, looking like Zeke of old. So I think you know, as you can see, he shredded some pounds. I think he has a lot to prove, so I know he'll be running hard downhill to come tomorrow night. You know, and by the way, he owned that. He said as much. He knows that I did not have that good of a year. I feel like I let the team down. He came in trimmer, leaner, seems more explosive. You mentioned the defense, right? So there's concern about the offense and questions, but how big of a concern is that defense? Man, after last year, so it's a huge concern, I would say. You know, um, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of gaps that needed to be filled, but, you know, simplifying the defense, I think that's one thing. The defensive coordinator came in and did. I think there was a lot of talk um, last year just looking at him on field just looked like everybody was confused. So being able to simplify um, the defense, I think it will help the defense just letting the guys go out there, fly around, not not think so much. So, you know, they got some a young stud in the middle, you know, so obviously being able to let him run sideline to sideline and, and do what he do best. Um, you got digs at the corner. You got some, some, some help in the secondary. So I'm excited to see on what, they, what they'll do. It'd definitely be a, a good test for them week one going against Brady and the Bucks. Antoine Bethay joining us once again. All right, so when you look around the NFC East, you got Washington, who won that division with a 7-9 record last season. Dallas, as bad as they were, was 6-10. Like, when you look around the division, who is the team to beat there this year? Man, it's funny. Um, my, myself and Darius, we had this talk, um, and I kind of told him, I think two teams really can – Make it, make it to the playoffs out of this division. He thought I was crazy, but um, one I think Dallas just, just depending on how good that defense plays, um, and obviously I think the the Washington football team. I think that defense is going to be a top five uh, defense this year. Uh, I think that front seven is probably one of the best in the league. Um, you know you got you got Fitzpatrick. You know just depending on which Fitzpatrick you're going to get week in and week out, but um, you know. They have weapons on that side of the ball as well. Logan Thomas, um, you got some young, some good young receivers on the outside. So I think that Washington football team could be a really good, um, surprising, surprisingly good this year. So I think um, between the Dallas Cowboys and Washington football team, those are my, my two picks. LA, you and Darius have some really good conversations. I want to get into the one you had recently about quarterbacks and the best quarterback situation around the NFL. But before I do that, before we leave the NFC East, how much pressure do you think is on Daniel Jones to show up and prove that he is a franchise quarterback for the Giants this season. Oh, what's pressure on DJ, man? The DJ is my guy. Um, but you know, this just what this business is about, especially playing that position. Um, I think this year he has to have a good year. I think um the the organization, the coaches, they put a lot of talent um around him. You know, you have um Saquon coming back from injury. Um you have uh, Evan Ingram at tight end. You have a lot of a lot of receiving a lot of receiving talent out there as well. So this year is the year for him um, to show up and show out. Obviously, that O line has to has to help him out a lot. Um, and one thing for him that he's been struggling with is just protecting the ball. So if he can do that, um, DJ man, he has a lot of talent. I know he can get the job done. All right, Antoine Bethea joining us. So I mentioned Darius. I thought this was great. So Darius was saying that the 49ers have the best quarterback situation in the division because of Jimmy G, Trey Lance, and Kyle Shanahan. As you said in the past, Darius has, quote, a lot of hot takes, a a lot. lot of unnecessary takes, and a lot of foolish takes. So, Antoine, what do you make of this particular take? 
another foolish and never hot take. You know, I, 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 in a sense, I see where he's coming from, being that, um, you know, Jimmy G, he's won. He's a, he's a winner. Um, I can't take that away from him. And if Jimmy G doesn't, you know, um, play up the par, you have a young talent as far as, um, you know, Trey Lance that's, you know, waiting behind him. But I said that's foolish to say that because you have a Russell Wilson <laughs> – um, down in Seattle who, you know, year in and year out, regardless of what he has around him, he performs at a, a very high level. And then you have Matthew Stafford as well. You know, um, obviously Matthew Stafford, when he's, you know, he's played in Detroit, obviously with that organization, um, the team hasn't done well. But in my personal opinion, I feel as though Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. And with him going out there to L.A. with the Rams, um, with McVay and the talent that he have around, um, I, you know, I could kind of see um, the Rams situation a little bit better than than the Forty ers um, So again, I know it, it's 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 football season. We'll see. But for him to say that, you know, <laughs> the Forty ers has the best quarterback situation is crazy. And then with the Shanahan, you know, um, Shanahan, he's a great great OC, great coach. But like I told him, like you, coaching is very important. But it's the players in between the lines that's going to get it done. You know, you can call all the plays. You can drop all the plays you want in the world. But if the players uh, in between those white lines can't get it done, then, um, you know, it's that's null and void. Dude, I mean, yeah, exactly. And by the way, would you not take Kyler Murray in that situation over the Niners situation also? Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, like I said, you know, Jimmy G, he's, he's, he's a winner. He's a proven winner. Um, Kyler Murray has a lot of talent, a lot of upside. And even over there, you know, um, you know, with A.J. Green, um, you got Kurt, you got DeAndre D-Hop. So he has a lot of talent as well. But, you know, it's still some things, some maturity things that I feel as though at the quarterback position, um, Kyler has to approve on. But I, I think we've seen, we, we're starting to see that. So um, I might give the 49ers the up on, on, on Arizona, but it's tough for me to say that the, uh, the, the 49ers quarterback situation is better than Seattle and the Rams. All right. Antoine Bethea joining us for a few more moments. Antoine, what do you make and what was your reaction to the news that Cam Newton was released? And do you think that he's going to catch on with another team at some point this year? Man, that was surprising. You know, obviously, um, my opinion, I thought Cam was going to be the week one starter. Um, obviously, we don't, we're not in the building. We don't see what goes on in the meet rooms and, you know, every day at practice. But I thought Cam was going to be that week one starter. Um, releasing him, um, I thought was, in my eyes, could be a potentially good thing for the team, just with Mike, Mac Jones letting the young guy just go out there and play. You know, he's going to have some ups and some downs as a rookie. Um, and he can just go out there and play, not really have, have you know, he couldn't, he's not going to be looking over his shoulder with every mistake that he makes, think that Cam comes in the game. Um, I think Cam does get on the team, um, you know, sometime during this year. Now, which team it is, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I'm not. Um, but I think, you know, at this time, I think Cam has to accept that role where he might have to be a backup. And if he can accept that role, I think he can still flourish um, in that role for a few more years. Um, but we will see. In fact, I was going to ask you about that. When you look at him on film, does he look to you like he's still an NFL starter? Oh, no question. <laughs> no question. He, he definitely can, he can go to a team and, and, and play ball, um, depending on what system it is. Um, that kind of fits his, fits his style of play. is very important at this time of, in his career. Um, but no question, uh, Cam can still play, play ball in the league. Talking to Antoine Bethea for a few more moments. You know, one of the things you mentioned recently is that fans probably do not have a good idea about how coaches speak to one another and the players. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot but and have you name names, but do you get the sense that NFL coaches have a hell of a lot more personality than they show? Like, what are they really like in meetings and when the cameras are not on them? Oh, man, it's, it's a lovely thing. You know, um, I always love a coach that has has um it's charismatic, you know, uh, not to a point where, you know, it, it, it's crazy. But you got to believe, like these are grown men as well. A lot of these coaches played in the play played the game, so they understand the locker room mentality. They understand what gets guys going. Um, so yeah, man, these coaches they they have a lot a lot to show that you don't see on the sidelines, that you don't see on the camera. Um, and yeah, man, it, it's a beautiful thing, and I wish the fans could kind of see that more. Um, than, than what they do. 
like as an example, you told the story about playing in Foxborough and you had a coach who was going to be calling plays for the game and he was not used to it. Your middle linebacker was not getting the plays called into him for like five or six plays. What was that like? Man, it was, um, again, you know, he was used to his role, which was to, um, you know, coach the linebackers. And he was he was great at that, but at this moment in time, um, he had the, he had the headset and he had to call the plays. We in Foxborough, Brady, and I and Brady noticed it. You know, first couple plays, the guys are looking to the sideline trying to get a call. We not getting a call. Brady, he um he goes in hurry up. So now it's our middle linebacker, myself. Um, we're just trying to you know <laughs> make sure that drive uh make sure we're we're good enough so we can withhold this drive in. You know, they ended up scoring, but it was one of them things. We go back to the sideline, and we looking at the coach, and it's like deer in the headlights. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things that we always talk about accountability, and it has to be on both sides. You know, the coaches have to hold the players accountable, and the players got to hold the uh, the coaches accountable as well. So um, it was just one of them things where you just look back and like, man, that was wild. Is it really wild. So was he accountable? I mean, did he own it, or was he just yeah, in he too had, far? He he had to. He had no choice. Right. He had no choice but to own it, you know. Um, and that's the that's the I think that's the beautiful thing about the game, where we all in it and we got one common goal. Where you know, definitely sometimes where you have coaches that that's not accountable. You know, they 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 speak the accountability, but then when it gets that time where um, a player um, holds their foot to the fire, um, it's not the same reaction versus you know um, a coach to a player. So. When you have that, when you have that culture where you know a, a player can hold a coach accountable and vice versa, that's where you see the good teams be great. Antoine Bethea joining us. Antoine, one last thought. Like speaking of coaches, what do you make of that wild Bishop Sycamore High School story and the fact that they played two games in a matter of days, were possibly playing with older players, and the school isn't actually a school and does not exist? And that was wild. What did you make of that whole thing? Man, that was a wild story. Um, first thing I'll say is like whoever the coach is, whoever the, the football operations people, whoever, you got to hire them. I don't care who it is, you got to hire them for them to be able to pull that off, um, be able to thump ESPN, to be able to play on ESPN. Um, you you got to hire those folks. But that was a wild story, um, to be able to, to go out there and play um, IMG, to be able to get on ESPN. Um that was a wild story, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Kevin Hart and I think it's uh, Rich Paul, they jumped on that quick, and they're going to make a documentary out of it, so I can't wait for that to come out. Dude, you got to hire them to do what? Like, like hire them to do what? I mean, it's, it's, it's funny make, make and it's not, happen. but... Hire them to make things happen. Obviously, they made it happen, and, and they <laughs> wasn't a school, so regardless <laughs> of what it is... Them folks, they can make some things happen. So you got to hire them and put them on your staff somewhere. Yeah, dude, they, they do make things happen, all right, man. And they got over on ESPN as well. 14-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champ, three-time Pro Bowler. He is an author, founder of his own foundation, and the co-host of the Man-to-Man pod, Antoine Bethea. Antoine, appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Nah, no problem. Good night now!